When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, comrades, and welcome to the podcast you are currently listening to. I promise, this isn't a Russian invasion, just a temporary occupation. I'm Roberto, one of the hosts of the podcast, Czar Power. And I'm Brendan, the other half of the podcast. Together, we're ranking the Russian rulers from Rurik to Putin. They will compete based on how well they fought, how successful they were in life, how much kompromat, or blackmail, they had on them, how handsome they were, and how long they ruled for. After being scored, we decide whether they get to party it out in the Kremlin or get sent straight to the Gulag. Those who make it to the Kremlin will need to duke it out for the position of best Russian ruler. You can find us on any podcast host as Tsar Power, on Twitter at Tsar Power Pod, and on Facebook as Tsar Power. That's Tsar spelled T-S-A-R. Now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. And if you hear a knock on your door, beware. The KGB is coming to make your stay a bit more permanent. And welcome to the History of Sacadvelo, Georgia. I'm your host, Roberto, and this is episode 24, The Sassanid Conversion. In today's episode, we'll cover the reigns of King Archil and Mirdat V of Kartli, and witness the birth of the long-awaited Vakhtan Gorgasali. In our last episode, we went through roughly 50 years of Kartveli kings, mostly because we didn't have enough information about the reigns to go into much detail. We saw how the Roman Empire declined and let the Sassanid Empire regain their Caucasus territories and ended with King Mirdat IV's capture by the Persians due to his arrogant belief that he was an amazing military commander. He wasn't. Kartli was in flames. Mirdat IV was imprisoned by the Persians in Stesiphon and was no longer available to run the country. The Persians ravaged the land and looted the people's valuables, at least those that they had not hidden. The churches around the realm were desecrated, and altars to worship Ahura Mazda were placed within them, and the Hosroids could do nothing. Three years passed, and the Persians had free reign within the land. Yazdegerd I enjoyed total domination of the people, that is, until the eastern nomads attacked his borders. The Persian army left the Caucasus to attack this threat 
and the three years of Persian occupation had finished just like that. In 411 AD, the Kartveli elite crowned Archil, son of Tirdat, nephew of Mirdat, as king of Kartli in Mitisketa. Upon his ascension to the throne, he married a woman named Maria, a member of the Roman emperor's family. Seeing the devastation the Persians left in their wake during their three-year occupation, Archil declared them his enemies and called for the Kartveli to retrieve their crosses, display them, and adorn their churches around Kartli. This was followed by the desecration of the Zoroastrian fire temples. Then, Archil made an alliance with the Romans against the Persians. Yazdegerd II was not pleased with this and summoned all the notable nobles from Kartli, Caucasian Albania, and Armenia to convert them to Zoroastrianism. He succeeded and sent them back with cohorts of Zoroastrian priests. Popular uprisings against Zoroastrianism were crushed, but many remained staunch Christians in secret. In the meantime, the Persian Pityash ruled over Kartli in the name of his emperor alongside Caucasian Albania. Seeing how Archil was fighting against his control, he set out to fight against this Pityash. They met on the borders of Kartli and Caucasian Albania. Archil prayed and put his hopes and trust in God and went to talk with his army. He placed his troops at the banks of the Berduji River and, sometime later, was victorious. How? The chronicles don't say. Archil managed to capture the Pityash, and he returned to Caucasian Albania victorious. Archil sent out heralds throughout Kartli to announce his victory, declaring, quote, We overpowered the enemy not by our power, not by our vigor and wisdom, not by the numbers of our army, but by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave us his holy cross as a weapon. Let every Georgian glorify the consubstantial trinity and God primordial, the creator of all existing things. Give him your thanks and let your hearts remain firm in your belief in the holy trinity. To further commemorate his victory and showcase his thanks to the God Almighty, Archil built a new church in honor of St. Stephen right in Mitisheta and erected battle towers above the gates of Aragvi. A surprise awaited Archil in this castle. Messengers approached him while he was overseeing the construction of his church, and they told him something had happened to his wife. He rushed back to her room. The sheets were stained red, the air heavy with the iron stench of blood and the sourness of sweat. Cries of pain emanated from Maria, and, from a small bundle in her arms, the cry of new life. Arkel's son, Mirdat, was born. The years passed peacefully, and Mirdat grew into a fine young man, he was a staunch believer in Christ, and valiant and fearless in battle. Archil had let the young heir lead battles against the Persians. These battles turned into raids against the Caucasian Albanian regions of Rani and Movakan. With the Persians occupied with the nomads on their eastern front, they could not send support to the west to resist Mirdat's raids. Mirdat found no difficulty when facing the Caucasian Albanians, and with his father's army behind him, he won many victories. Mirdat met his greatest enemy in the form of a man named Barzabod, the noble in charge of Rani. Rani reinforced the fortresses and towns as much as he could to resist the Kartveli advances, but this was always in vain. In Barzabod's castle was his daughter, Sagdut, who was rumored to be extremely beautiful. Mirdat heard of these rumors while on campaign, and when he returned to Mitasheta, he told his father, quote, 
I ask your majesty to marry me with Barzabod's daughter, Sogduk, and to make peace between us, for though we have overpowered him with the help of Christ, we cannot seize the fortresses and towns of Rani. If the Persian king finds time, he will take vengeance, he will ravage our churches, and do many other terrible things in our country. Let the enmity stop between us, and the king of Persia will meet our demands. In this way, we will secure the borders of our country. The faith of Christ will grow stronger and cartly, and no Georgian will doubt and abuse the Persians when their arbitrariness ends. End quote. Mirdat had found the one opponent he could not defeat, and decided he'd rather die if he could not be with her. He was hopelessly in love with this woman whom he had never met. Arkhil contemplated these words and granted his request. He sent an envoy to Barzabod, requesting that Sagduk to be married to Mirdat and to have peace between Kartli and Rani. Barzabod couldn't say no, as Caucasian Albania was near ruin and he was nearly broke himself. Shah Peroz abolished the kingdom of Caucasian Albania as well, turning Barzabod from a semi-independent king under Persian purview to just another leader under the Sassanid Empire. To ensure that this wasn't a feint, Barzabod demanded an oath and a promise of peace from the king and heir. Arkel and Mirdat took the oath, and Mirdat was married off to Sagdukt with a massive dowry. Sagdukt and Mirdat were brought to Mitasieta, where they celebrated their marriage for many days and nights. Feasts occurred all over the land, and as a gift, King Arkhil gave Mirdat the lands of Samshvilde for his heir and daughter-in-law to reside in. A few weeks after her marriage, Sagduk showed a budding interest in the Christian faith, much to Mirdat's happiness. As a devout Christian, he knew where to gather scholars well-versed in the faith and had them translate their works into the Udi language of old Caucasian Albania so his wife could understand them. These scholars taught her the truths of Christ and his sacrifices. When she learned about everything well enough, she gave up Zoroastrianism and was baptized. To celebrate this baptism, she ordered the construction of the Semshvil de Sioni Church. During Arkhil's reign, three bishops came and went, and the final one he appointed was a Persian named Mobidan. Publicly, he told the doctrinal line. However, in the shadows, he wrote books officially considered heretical. Upon their late discovery, the future bishop Michael burned them. For the time being, however, Arkhil was unaware of this. Rain started falling with Mitisqueta, and the church bells rang somberly. In 435 AD, King Arkhil died and passed the throne to Mirdat V. Arkhil had prepared his son well, and upon taking the throne, it would only be a few months until Sagduk gave birth to their first child, a daughter named Khwaranze. This threw the court into chaos, because if anything happened to Mirdat, there would be no son to inherit the throne. Sagduk and Mirdat went into seclusion and prayed for a son. They did this every night, nudge nudge, and four years would pass when Sagduk would once again give birth. She had had a son, and they agreed to give him a Persian named. He would be named Varang Khwasrotang, or, in Kartveli, Vachtang. This was a highly celebrated birth, and, once again, heralds were sent out throughout Kartli to shout out the birth of a prince in Mitisieta. I can only imagine how poor Hwaranze felt when she found out her parents preferred her brother over her. King Mirdat and Queen Sagduk distributed gold and silver to the poor and wretched before retreating to prayers and vigils that lasted all day and night. The nobles of Kartli came to Mitisieta 
and the feasts and merriments never ended as they wished a new more Vakhtung good health. Mirdat Spaspeto, Saurmag, begged the king for the privilege of educating Vakhtung. Mirdat regarded his closest advisor for a minute before agreeing to make Vakhtung his ward, as it was custom for princes to be educated in the noble houses. The years passed, and Sagduk gave birth to another daughter named Mirandukt. No festivities were held this time. Lots of named women in this episode. Are we sure this is still the history of Georgia? Anyhow, an unnamed noblewoman from Caspi approached the king and asked for the privilege of raising Mirandukt. He agreed, and the young child was taken away. Then, two years passed, in 447 AD, Mirdat was found dead in his bed, leaving Vakhtung as a seven-year-old boy with a terrifying responsibility. To see images and bibliography related to today's episode, please go to our website to check them out under the episode's page at historyofsacredvelo.com. It contains all the links to our social media and email contact information. Sacredvelo is spelled S-A-Q-A-R-T-V-E-L-O. To help this podcast continue, please feel free to donate to the podcast via coffee or Amazon. And we do have a Patreon with multiple bonus episodes. We just released one on the Nine Martyred Children of Cola. So feel free to follow us on there to listen to that story. Uh, the links are on the episode transcription and on our website. And we do have an Amazon wish list if you'd like to purchase a book for us. But the best way to help out is via review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast host. As it goes a long way with getting the word out about the show and helping us reach new people to learn about Georgia. Madalba the Nakhvamdis, and thank you for listening to the history of Sakadvelo, Georgia. See you next time.